Welcome into another episode of the Young Terps Podcast. Ahmed Jafir and Mason Viner. Ahmed Terps uh, taking their talents to Chicago, a place they have not won yet in the Big Ten. Uh, let's start off with uh, what Maryland can accomplish with a win on Saturday. Yeah, Maryland still uh, with a chance to pick up that sixth win, uh, become bowl eligible for the third straight season uh, for the first time since 2006 to 2008. Um, and they get a chance to win uh, their first six out of their eight games uh, in two consecutive seasons. Uh, the first time Maryland has done that since 2001, 2002. And in order to do so, they will need to pick up their second straight win uh, against Northwestern. But like you said, amazing uh, first one on the road. Yeah, um, must win. I, I definitely think so, Ahmed. Um, Terps really need to get to six, really need to get back on track. And uh, hopefully we see some of the guys back on, on the field. I know Locks uh, talked about that. We'll hit on that later in the show. But do you call it a must win? Oh, 100%. I mean, especially if you look at just one coming out of the bye uh, to looking at how Maryland kind of fared second half against Ohio State in a game where it kind of felt like, you know, Maryland probably should have won this game. And then, you know, Illinois, obviously, that was really the first game of uh, what ifs for Maryland this season. Uh, missed uh, just poor execution, uh, missed assignments, dumb penalties, uh, all the things that you kind of thought Maryland kind of needed to take that next step. And um, like you said, you know, Locks, um, we'll, we'll hit on, you know, all the starters that are expected back, kind of what, what to expect there. But um, just even with a lot of those starters out, you, you kind of need to, to, you know, put, put that Illinois game to, to bed um, permanently. Um, so I think kind of coming out of this by just a chance to really solidify that. And then obviously, you know, you look at Penn state uh, next on the schedule. So um, you, you kind of need to pick this up to, to kind of avoid a potential three game slide and the slate only gets tougher from there on out. Yeah, that certainly is true. Let's take a look at Northwestern. But before we get to that, this podcast is brought to you by Watercrafters. Watercrafters in Gaithersburg, Maryland, has been providing swimming pool service and supplies to Montgomery and Howard County for the past 41 years. Watercrafters' highly skilled service staff can open and close your pool, as well as provide new equipment installations, repairs, weekly service, and winter service. The Gaithersburg Retail Showroom has everything for your swimming pool, including chemicals, parts, and fun accessories. Visit Watercrafters in the Gaithersburg Air Park or online at watercrafters.com. Ahmed Northwestern comes into this game three and four uh, on the season, one and three in conference plays, wins coming against UTEP, Minnesota, and Howard, uh, and losses all against Power 5 opponents. Um, three Big Ten losses come against Rutgers, Penn State, and Nebraska. They also dropped a game to uh, what has turned out to be a very good Duke team earlier in this year. Yeah, and that Howard game you know, was definitely a lot closer. I believe the final score was 23-20, uh, if memory serves correct. But um, again, you know, Northwestern, I think a lot of people, obviously when the Pat Fitzgerald news dropped uh, preseason, I think a lot of team, a lot of people kind of looked at Northwestern as probably an easy win um, or at least a team <clears throat> that would probably be down compared to year-over-year uh, year year standards uh, and expectations in that program. But, um, like you said, you know, all, all four of those losses, Rutgers is uh, probably a, a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team this year. Uh, Duke's done really well, obviously. Um, it's sliding into the top 25 there. And uh, Nebraska is really the only one where, you know, maybe it's a head-scratcher, but again, Northwestern. Um, think on offensive and even side of the ball, they have some bright spots, just, you know, not uh, haven't been able to really put it together for, for 60 minutes yet. No, they haven't. Certainly uh, led by what I feel like is a rising coach uh, in the profession, David Braun, who came from North Dakota State, where he was part of multiple uh, national championship teams. He's you know stepped into what was a tough situation, but ultimately he's got a defense that's playing pretty well and an offense 
that is definitely struggling right now. Yeah, I mean, to kind of kick it off with the defense there, obviously it starts with uh, Rice Gallagher, younger brother of Blake Gallagher there, uh, the Northwestern linebacker, um, sits third in the Big Ten, 26th nationally, and, and six, with 64 total tackles, um, one of two Big Ten players with 60 tackles and two tackles for loss uh, this season. So uh, definitely, definitely going to be a name to know there. And then uh, on the edge, Anto Saka, even though Northwestern hasn't done a great job kind of getting to the quarterback, disrupting the pocket, um, which is going to be really big for Maryland to kind of get back on track offensively. Uh, Anto Saka is definitely a name that maybe a lot of Maryland fans uh, uh, maybe uh, recognize. Um, my opinion, he was probably the best pass rusher uh, in that in that uh, recruiting class locally uh, with uh, Denai, Denise Sutton as well, going to, to Penn State as well. But um, the Saka's looked good uh, with three tackles for loss in his first five career games. So um, looks like he's going to be kind of that primary guy. But uh, again, just kind of defensively overall, a um, lot of bright spots, but still, like I said, sit last in sacks, uh, second to last in interceptions uh, gained. Uh, sitting in the bottom on run defense, total defense, scoring defense. So uh, a lot of chances for Maryland to kind of, like I said, just kind of uh, reestablish its identity on offense. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, watching this team is, yeah, they struggle um, in the stats. They, they've had games that they've looked good, games that they've looked awful. There really hasn't been a game that I, I think that Northwestern's looked you know, great in or like they can really uh, do much. Last week, you know, more the same Brendan Sullivan, who I guess we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. Maryland fans saw him last year. He stepped back in starting quarterback spot, and this offense is just, frankly, dead in the water right now. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, the offense just not not looking too, too good. And, you know, the quarterback situation there, Ben Bryant, looks like he is expected to – at least his status is uncertain for this weekend. Uh, but it looks like Brendan Sullivan, uh, who faced Maryland last year – uh, will make it make his uh, third consecutive start again this week. Um, sixty-one point four percent completion percentage, uh, three touchdowns, three passing touchdowns, and an interception, while adding a pair of rushing touchdowns as well. Um, so you know, Loxley talked about uh, obviously Bryce Kurtz there, that primary wide receiver, but said you know obviously he has that big playability. But when you look at stopping Northwestern this weekend, it starts with stopping the run. Um, and I think it's kind of a chance for that Maryland front seven, which has really largely been dominant and kind of been able to, to keep opponents' run game uh, in check. Uh, it's a chance for, for them to, to kind of keep this Northwestern team, um, you know, just in it, unable to generate much momentum there. Yeah, for this team, it's, you know, an old-fashioned kind of same offense that Pat Fitzgerald was running, very much pro-style. Um, they're going to try and establish the run early and and run the ball a fair amount in this game. I mean, Sullivan, not not much different than the guy we saw last year. He's going to make the plays if you allow him to, but he's not uh, in, in any stretch of the word, like a game-breaking quarterback or you're really going to be able to hurt you much with the deep ball for Maryland. Um, look, I see it. The same as I saw the game against Illinois. If you stay disciplined, stay in your rush lanes, you know, don't allow uh, guys to run open deep into the secondary. Uh, it's a team you can probably hold to, you know, nine to twenty-one points at, at the most. If you don't do that and you give them opportunities, just like any Power Five team and the especially teams in the Big Ten, they'll they'll take advantage of that and, and be able to put up some points. So I think this is a game that when you look at the grand scheme of things, you got to step up your front seven has got to produce for you like you just mentioned and and guys just have to keep it together upstairs well enough to win this game and move on to next week where they're going to have a hopefully a big home game 
Yeah, and I think, you know, just kind of the last two matchups for this Maryland secondary, when you look at them going against Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, and then Isaiah Williams there with Illinois. Um, again, Bryce, Bryce Kurtz, you know, he enters the weekend. Uh, like Loxie talked about, has that big playability. Um, we talked talked about just kind of leads a team, ranked sixth in the Big Ten in receiving yards, sits second in the Big Ten with 70.5 receiving yards per game. So he has that big playability. And I think that back line is maybe – um, I think the, the safety tandem, I think, has been good, but maybe, you know, that starting cornerback tandem, uh, Jaquan Shepard, you know, kind of stepping up and, and kind of being able to solidify himself as that lockdown corner and um, kind of eliminating the big plays, keep kind of being able to still keep everything in front of you. Um, I think that's kind of kind of the big thing. And I think that's something that Maryland will be able to uh, kind of, you know, maybe maybe prove, especially with Drew Alar uh, and that Penn State rushing attack uh, uh, looming right right around the corner. Yeah, talk about the defensive backfield. I mean, this is a game where I think the third corner is still something that's highlighted on, on my list of, of I guess, ask somebody to emerge in that spot. I mean, you mentioned Shepard kind of maybe not there yet. Dante Trader uh, still maybe a little bit banged up, so we'll see kind of where he fits into the game plan, where Glenn Miller fits into his spot uh, in this game. I would really like to see Perry Fisher, Lionel Whitaker, maybe Gavin Gibson's one week healthier, and he starts to look back. You know, some of the bright spots start to show for him uh, in his game. But ultimately, like you said, and you got a big play wide receiver on the other side and another SEC transfer in, in that wide receiver room that that has 29 catches uh, on the season. So if if the guys win and man on man, if Corey Coley is kind of out there, I hate to point him out, call him out like that. But it's suddenly they do have some guys that are going to that are going to beat Maryland's further down the depth chart corners. Yeah, and I think you hit, hit the nail right on the head there. Obviously, you know, Kim Johnson, A.J. Henning, you know, those are two other guys for Northwestern that um, – A.J. Henning is a guy that, you know, he'll probably be used both in the run and pass game a little bit. Um, so kind of, you know, just other weapons there. So obviously, you know, just needing that second and third corner. Corey Coley's kind of been that third corner uh, for Maryland this year. And when Tarheep still was uh, inactive, it was Coley who has started uh, and played and stepping into some pretty big roles there. Obviously, Glenn Miller's been a, a big asset in the secondary safety as well, uh, filling in for Dante Trader, uh, Bo Braid as well. Um, but yeah, you know, you definitely want to see kind of maybe that 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 weight that way behind the the starters. Um, you know, Gavin Gibson, Lionel Whitaker, Perry Fisher, like you mentioned, uh, just kind of being able to take that next step and you know ultimately show that uh, they can be the the, the future uh, at that cornerback room. Yeah. So, well, we mentioned Targhev still. So let's get into the rest of the injuries. Ahmed, who do we expect to be back on the field uh, on Saturday? Yeah. Um, we uh, obviously, you know, Maryland is coming off a long list of players that were out against Illinois: Dante Trader, Corey Bullock, uh, Targhev still. Um, all those guys were back on the field today. Corey Digest was back out there as well. Uh, Dante Trader was uh, not working with the first team uh, safeties. Uh, it was Glenn Miller and Bo Braid uh, with the one-on-ones there, or excuse me, the uh, first team against first team uh, offense defense uh, into the open portion of Tuesday's practice. Uh, as mentioned, Corey Bullock back in there with, you know, Gotti Edzi back at right tackle. Uh, Mike Purcell was the center working uh, with the first team unit uh, during practice on Tuesday as well. Um, like I said, you know, Corey Digest, it's a big boost back uh, for that cornerback room or so the tight end room, excuse me. Um, so kind of ultimately expect him to be used as well. And, uh, you know, Loxley was, you know, confident he was available at the podium today. Um, so a lot of, a lot of key guys back and, you know, uh, think it, I think the Illinois game kind of exposed some of those uh, absences. 
Yeah, before we talk about some off-the-field stuff and some basketball, uh, favorite part of the show, betting lines for the game. Ahmed Terps, uh, 13.5-point favorite over under at 48.5. Not much movement uh, on this one. Ahmed, uh, we liked Maryland last time, and I think that that came definitely came back on us. Uh, do we like the Terps uh, getting thir- or laying 13 on the road? Yeah, uh, initially I, I kind of had it, you know, kind of – uh, right on the cusp there. Um, I'll, I'll actually go Northwestern with the points, but I do think Maryland is able to win it. Um, I just kind of, for some reason, expect it to be in a little bit of an ugly game. I think that Northwestern front, um, you know, could still present some challenges. I think Maryland um, has done a good job of kind of protecting Talia for the most part. Uh, obviously, you know, the the Ohio State game, you know, some some ebbs and flows there. Um, um, but I, I think Maryland will be able to kind of do enough, generate enough of those big plays, and um, ultimately be able to limit Northwestern enough um, to where, you know, two touchdowns, uh, anything more than that is kind of hard for me to, to imagine uh, from the Wildcats going into this weekend. So um, I do think that Maryland does cover um, and I'll go slightly under that 48.5. Yeah. I have to say, I I like Maryland um, give the 13 and a half to Northwestern. I just can't see this Northwestern team scoring very many points, uh, especially if Sullivan's in the game. That's a guy that Maryland's faced. He, you know, you got to remember a lot of the teams that he's played against uh, this year where he's put up some decent numbers. Uh, they've never seen this guy before. So a lot of the Terps uh, secondary pieces played in the game last year. They kind of they, they have that uh, recognition of the quarterback for Northwestern. So I, I like Maryland's defense uh, really to win them this game. As far as this offense goes, I think it's a get right game. I think uh, some of those deep balls will come open for Caden Prather, for Jayshon Jones, for Ty Felton. Uh, hopefully they're just able to make the catches and, and put up the points. Um, I also lean the over in this game. I just think Maryland gives up like a garbage time touchdown uh, that that puts that hits that number. Um, but I, I really could see Northwestern keeping it close for three quarters of this game and, and making a lot of Maryland fans uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I could see that. I just I think Maryland, if they're kind of able to stop the run there, which, you know, they've, they've kind of been able to show at times, um, I think they'll they'll kind of be able to keep Northwestern in check. Um, I just kind of. We're interested to see, you know, how Maryland is able to do offensively. And I think, again, you know, kind of similar to Illinois, um, and especially, you know, just kind of with the weather against Illinois, um, you kind of looked at that game as a chance for Maryland's rushing attack to really get it going. Um, You know, so I think that, you know, kind of going into this game, there's a chance for Maryland to kind of establish some consistency again on the ground. Um, Again, you know, Loxley talked about it. You know, there's obviously a little bit more efficiency in the passing attack than the running game. So, um until we see otherwise, it's really you. You expect the the big plays on offense to really come through the air, and for Talia to be able to find, like you said, the, the timing, and for guys like Caden Brather and Ty Felton to kind of make the most of their opportunities downfield. But um, you know, I, I think I think I think Maryland will be able to to, to manufacture enough of those um, possessions um, and potentially win the turnover battle this weekend as well. Yeah, off the field news coming and, and some disappointing news uh, for Maryland. Kevin Sumlin, who stepped in as a tight ends coach and co-offensive coordinator for this season, uh, arrested over the weekend uh, down in Florida. Ahmed, uh, where does Maryland go from here? Yeah, obviously, you know, Mike Lochte said he's away from the team right now. Um, he will face uh, repercussion. You know, if you kind of look back at historically how Maryland has been able to handle this, um, you kind of know what to expect. So, uh, you know, whether we see someone again this year, you know, it'll be kind of interesting, you know, how, how long he's gone for. Um, that, that's 
big storyline for the rest of the you know last month and change uh, of the regular season uh, during the open portion of practice on Tuesday. Uh, we saw analyst Luis Swaba. Um, he was working with the unit um, tight ends or uh, assistant tight ends coach Preston Brown uh, was right there with the unit as well, working with them. So, um, you know, you, you kind of obviously fill in by committee uh, to, to kind of Rob Ambrose is another guy, you know, he wasn't working with the tight end room today, but, you know, just another guy to kind of help pick up the slack that, you know, uh, obviously comes with someone being away from the program. So um, I don't expect any, any immediate, uh, re, you know, any immediate news on what his long-term future is with the program. But uh, for now, definitely, Definitely a storyline that you know, I'm sure Mike Loxley did not want to entertain coming out of the bye weekend. No, certainly did not. Uh, disappointing news uh, for the program. On the basketball side, Terps uh, big visitor this week, Derek Queen, takes his official to Maryland. Yeah, he's coming off this official visit this past weekend. Uh, so, uh, you know, Maryland, this was almost came exactly a year ago to the day from his last official visit to Maryland. And, you know, since then, you know, obviously Tony Skin was on the, the on the staff last year. Um, and that was a big driver for Maryland. Um, you know, the, the Derek Queen sentiment for him to come home, you know, that still looms large in his recruitment, still loomed large uh, heading into this weekend where uh, the, the whole team was – back out, uh, excuse me, not back out, but was out uh, in Baltimore on Saturday morning uh, supporting John Lamoth, uh, his mom, uh, for, for her walk uh, in Baltimore there and with their queen there as well. So, um, you know, definitely an emphasis to, to kind of make sure that he felt at home and to, to kind of prioritize, hey, you know, you're the, the stay-at-home hero. Obviously, had some graphics going around of uh, him at, I believe it was Ruth Chris, you know, DQ, time to come home, things like that. So um, definitely, you know, the stay-home message remains large. Um, NIL has been something that, frankly, uh, has been discussed with with uh, Kevin Willard. It feels like ever since he took the job, um, I remember, you know, getting a text about it, you know, during the baseball run, I think it was a week, couple of weeks after uh, Willard was officially announced there. So um, has been a emphasis through the summer for Willard to be able to make sure that, you know, that's not a, uh, you know, a, a final deterrent for Maryland. So uh, we'll see, you know, it looks like Maryland's still in a great position there. Obviously, Indiana, Houston, primary contenders. Uh, he took official visits to LSU, Kansas as well. And, uh, you know, whether Kansas is how actively they're kind of involved kind of seems to be, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a gray area right now. But, um, you know, we'll see. Obviously, Maryland would love to kick off their 2024 class with uh, undoubtedly its biggest target this cycle. And you can make the argument that he's probably the uh, biggest target regardless uh, next to maybe Jameer Young and uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith. Yeah, certainly a, a huge recruitment for Willard, especially with uh, missing out on a couple of guys the Terps were chasing uh, throughout the cycle. But it seems like the longer it drags on, just the more different teams are going to pop up and fall out, just given you know certain teams have landed guys they really want that are on the top of the list, and others I'm sure will miss, and, and they'll try and you know maybe sneak into this recruitment. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's less about, in my mind, it's less about um, teams being able to swoop in. Uh, I think it's, not, you know, now until commitment day, the, the worry would be from an NIL perspective, you know, just uh, a Kansas or a Houston or an Indiana just, you know, coming in and, you know, uh, throwing throwing every, the kitchen sink at him. Um, and that that kind of being, you know, maybe is that is that a hurdle too much to climb? Obviously, you know, Queen Queen's desire to come home has long been there. Obviously, been able to point to Julian Reese, his development uh, in year one to into year two, 
uh, going into, or excuse me, uh, uh, under Kevin Willard here. Um, and then obviously being able to point to Sandra, the, the former Seton Hall forward, uh, in ways to be able to use Garrett Queen. So I think from, you know, from everything else, you know, Maryland really does check all the boxes. It's just, you know, from an NIL perspective and in today's college athletics, you just, you never know until you know. So um, I think that that's kind of the, the big focus there. But again, you know, Maryland's kind of made that a focus uh, throughout, but, you know, I uh, heard similar through Hunter Dickinson. So um, we'll, we'll see, obviously not the same comparison or the same recruitment there uh, between, you know, Derek Queen, Hunter Dickinson there, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. So I think right now, just kind of the, the gray area is when, when he ultimately decides to pull the trigger there. Yeah. And we'll wait and see. And Ahmed, of course, we'll have the scoop over on inside the black and gold.net. Uh, where you can follow all of our coverage uh, of the game this weekend. I will be out there in Evanston uh, coverage over on Wayne Turp on YouTube, on TurpTalk.com, uh, live from the game. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing a lot of you uh, out at the, I guess, Chicago Terps uh, alumni event before the game. And we'll, of course, be back here on the podcast after the game, breaking down hopefully what is a Maryland win and a big game uh, coming to College Park as Penn State will roll in next week. Uh, Ahmed, anything else to add? No, I mean, uh, like we said, you know, I think it's a chance for Maryland to, to reestablish itself and, and find its groove and, you know, kind of like we said, you know, uh, Michigan, Nebraska, um, uh, Penn State, you know, that's a grueling three. Rutgers is no slouch either. So um, when you talk about must win, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say that. So, you know, again, just like Illinois on paper, Maryland is, looks to be the better team. Um, it's all about whether they execute, um, and I think doing so on the road would would uh, definitely definitely go a long way. Yeah, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at YoungTurp1. Uh, all of our socials scrolling across the bottom. Make sure to like and subscribe this podcast wherever you get it. And as always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.